welcome to Storytelling. This week's guest takes us on an extraordinary journey through the world of sports, unveiling his remarkable story from his childhood love for football to the awe-inspiring realm of rowing. Despite being visually impaired, he not only discovered his love for rowing, but triumphed, winning the British Indoor Rowing Championships in his very first race. Notably, he shattered the world record, holding the title for an impressive eight years. In this episode, he shares his insights on the technical nuances of sports, the resilience required to overcome challenges, and the essence of pushing boundaries. He also reveals his future plans from conquering triathlons to exploring ventures like massage therapy and podcasting. Please welcome Aaron O'Dowd. Hello, Aaron, and welcome to the podcast. Debbie, thank you so much for the opportunity. Aaron, how did your love for sports develop? When I was born, I lived with my grandparents and my mom and my dad and Italian 19 Ireland was at the time and I'm, I think one or two and I woke up and I watched that and from that forward on sport really played a huge thing in my house and where Sundays we watching Formula One or the football or rugby or whatever and I got a bit older. I I fell in love with Manchester United and Barcelona and always played football with the kids in the street and just grew and grew and grew in sport until the age of 16 and 17 when I really got into sport in participation. And how did you get into competitive sport? Because you went from really loving sport and then that developed into, okay, now I'm going to participate. I always loved participating in sport, but the types of sport I could play and do were quite limited. And it was hard to choose to participate in sport because the fa- speed of the ball and how fast it goes until I got a letter from the National Council for the Blind in Ireland saying, hey, there's this sport called rowing. Would you like to give it a try? And I said, yeah, I'll give it a try. And went down to the local rowing club in in Limerick in Ireland called Cast Connell and I sat in the rowing machine and took two or three strokes on it and I just fell in love with the sport. And how did you get from being an amateur in a rowing boat to actually competing professionally? Um it took me about a year to understand and learn the sport. I got into a boat. I was learning how to row both on the row machine and both on the water. For the first few months, we had a Ukrainian coach who came to Ireland and he'd worked with some of the best teams in the world. And he taught me how to row the, I think it's the German or the Ukrainian where it's all about power and speed and technique. And he went back to his country and we got a new coach at the time, but For the remainder of that year, I kept learning, exploring and figuring out what rowing was. And then that was in 2007. And then in 2008 of October, we're told we're going to go to the British Indoor Rowing Championships to compete. 
And before that, I competed at local level and on various races just to get the, the feeling of what it's like to race in a boat. And in October 2008, went to the British Indoor Rowing Championships. I was competing in the under-18 championships in the vision-impaired category. And uh, I won that race by, I think, seven seconds. And then a week later, I found out that I broke the record for a 1,000 meters um, in the event in the British Indoors by 32 seconds. That's absolutely amazing. What would you say that you learned about yourself during that whole process? I just learned the love of the sport. I was quite young and quite naive at the time. I thought I could just turn up and show and train and I just enjoyed being on the water, but it took me a number of years to really understand and put processes of what you see in professional sport, which is sleep, nutrition, strength and conditioning and other components. So I joined the sport in 2007 and probably in 2012, I was competing in races, but moving from junior to senior in the space of a couple of months takes some time. People think, oh yeah, it'd be fine. You can just race here and there, but at 18, 19, 20, you're racing against guys who are in their 40s, taller, stronger than you. I wasn't taught how to pace properly, so I'd be like the horse who bolt and halfway through the race, I'd be dying. And so it was a number of mistakes I was making for that duration. But in 2012 to 2014, I started realizing, hey, I want to get serious about this. So what do I need to do? And then I, I studied massage and anatomy, physiology. And then I started working with coaches who were working with high-performance teams in Limerick. And what did that lead on to? That led on to racing in the sport of rowing. That led on to more racing. I understood that I needed to lose weight from 96 kilos to 82 kilos. I was racing in the heavyweight division. And in rowing, you've got two divisions. You've got the lightweight division, which is from 76 kilos down and from 76 kilos up. So you could, in the heavyweight division, you could be racing against guys who's 110 kilos, 80 kilos, 90 kilos. So it's a mixed range of, of weight. And on the water, I could out sprint everybody in the men's single, but the men's single isn't a Paralympic event. It's the adaptive four, which is two male and female, both physically and visually impaired. But my technicalities and my specialties was with the sculling, which is two oars. But yeah, I could row with one oar, both right and left side. So I was kind of the, the soccer player who could play three different positions, but specialized in one position. And in 2017, I was at the peak of my physical position. I got dropped from the team. I lost my position in the boat and I decided, OK, let's figure out how to do this. I went back into the coach I was working with in a hypoxia center, which is a altitude center, a room like you and I are sitting in right now, but there are machines above it that compress it to 14% oxygen and 9,000 feet. It's a normal room, but halfway through the session, you're, you're feeling like it's hell. And for four months straight, I was going through hell where if I lost motivation or mental grit, the coach would scream and roar and the whole building heard us train for a couple of months. And then I got back into the team and no one could out sprint me. So that's kind of from 2014 to 2017, I really learned about how to take supplements, what food to eat, how to sleep, how to prepare, foam rolling, stretching, yoga. And then I applied it into a daily routine 
where I was doing the non-sexy stuff to make the sexy stuff happen. And that's the thing. People don't realize the level of hard work and training it takes to participate in one race and particularly being visually impaired as well. There's additional elements to your training that, again, other people don't see. That, that is so true. But in rowing, is one for me personally, I think it's one of the most hardest sports to do because you're covering two kilometers of a race between six and seven minutes. And the train at that level is grueling. You're training six days a week, maybe two, three sessions a day. And you could be covering between 100 to 300 kilometers a week in your preseason. And then you're sprinting because people think, oh, yeah, rowing is you drop an oar and you accelerate and you do. No, there's such more technicalities to the way you feather and square the oar, how much power you generate, the level of the oar. And there is more technicalities to it. There's building strength in your legs, your upper body, your core. You have to be as lean as possible, but yet have enough leanness that you can generate a huge amount of torque in the boat. But when we watch on the Olympics or the Paralympics, think, well, that's fabulous. They're just winning a race in six minutes and 20 seconds. But the detail and the requirements to get there is kind of like living the life of a monk. Yes. And that's what a lot of people do not realize at all. And this helped to facilitate you into developing other disciplines. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. When you win and lose races, winning is great. But when you lose races, you learn something about yourself. And at the age of 17, winning my first race, breaking a record, went straight from junior to senior in a couple of months and racing at the Europeans, I thought it was hot, hot stuff. And, but no, from that race, I came eighth. I ate as much as I could and nearly threw up. In 2010, I competed in the world champion indoor championships and I came third. And I thought, yeah, I'll outsprit myself. And no, so each race has taught me something about myself. Each season of training has taught me more and more. And even, but I think 14 or 15 years of, doing sports I'm still learning I haven't met my mastership but yes the detail that is required it, if it's in rowing triathlon boxing whatever Olympic sport is it's not about the strength and conditioning it's about the technicality because the strength and conditioning is the same in all types of sport we have the same muscle group the same bones same bloods the same lymphatics we may be shaped differently due to the sport, but what makes it fantastic is technicality. An example, what made Muhammad Ali amazing was he learned ballet and he was able to dance in the ring. And that's why people couldn't touch him because he was using those moves. So in rowing, you're taking different elements from different sports and mixing and matching and so on. And for me, my biggest problem in the men's skull is that my thumbs get kept catching my knuckles where I'd finish racing and I'd end up either welts on my hands or not blood my knuckles and I was in Dublin at the time in school for the school for the vision impaired in Dublin and I was training with a coach who was teaching me the technicalities of how to have quicker hands how to 
figure out the technicalities of the, the sculling. And what was interesting was if you put your hands side by knuckles, touch by touch, that's kind of half the distance. That is what the oar should be. But I played around with the oars and my oars looked shorter comparing to everyone else. But yet I was able to get my hands quicker. So it's all about testing. It's all about figuring out what fits perfect for you. And that's what picked perfect for me that I was able to get the oars in and out quick enough and slow the stroke and be able to accelerate the power because I've got huge legs and that's kind of the secret about rowing is the stronger your legs are, the more torque you can generate from the from your feet to your hips and then from your hips up to your, your shoulders. Aaron, what has this taught you about life in terms of the sporting achievements, the level of training that you've had to do, the various disciplines that you've had to learn, what would you say is the main learning that you have oh discovered? God. Yeah. Oh my, oh my God, Debbie. I will spend hours just talking about this one particular topic, but I think for me, it taught me many things. The obvious is the discipline, the showing up, if I say I'm showing up, but it taught me that adaptability pivoting you know being prepared and structured yes but in a race you could be prepared to your eyeballs but something could happen in the race and it's about adapting that's one big lesson the second big lesson for me is never give up I had many opportunities to go to from rowing to triathlon but I loved rowing so much that I kept sticking with it thinking I'll meet my goal I'll I'll do this I'll, I'll reach that but sometimes you got to give what you love to do something else. And the other thing that sport really taught me was being able to be free, fast, explosive. But it's just understanding that deep down within me, that's what taught me how to go to those levels where my body is screaming at me, my head is screaming stop 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 and I just go into this next space of flow flow is a word that we throw around in the world of meditation and sport but flow is just really going into the essence of you and bringing that to the foreground what is next for you Aaron um in the world of sport I'm kind of in a space right now where I'm just enjoying my training do I want to race? Yeah. Am I an adrenaline junkie? Yeah. Do I want to keep racing? Definitely. But the the universe and my journey has taken a direction that I didn't anticipate. I thought, yeah, I moved from rowing to triathlon. I'm going to compete in triathlon. I'm going to do the exact same thing in rowing. But the universe decided, nope, you've got a different direction. And that's kind of hard because in an adaptive sport, finding guides is tricky. Yeah. And what I mean by that is I need a guy to bike with me, swim with me, run with me, train with me. In rowing, it was different. I would have someone beside me guide me in the men's, ski, men's single or I'd be in a double or a pair or a quad or a four or an eight. So... That's part of the challenge, but right now it's me focusing about giving that message and building 
podcasting, business, massage, other avenues that I've been doing in the background. I think that's really amazing. And it's quite really interesting for other people to hear the the type of dynamics that you've managed to achieve and the different levels of attainment and goals that you set for yourself as well. And you've mentioned that in order to compete as a triathlete, you have to find a partner as well to actually do the race with you. How difficult is it to find someone? It is difficult. It's not difficult for running and biking. Everyone does know you race on a tandem, you run with the guide beside you and a string or a rubber band, and you swim side by side with the string attached on your leg. And to race nationally or internationally, you have to have male and male and female and female. And the one thing I find is the swimming part, people are a bit nervous about guiding. Either you know them or they're happy to do it or you you just throw them into the deep end and they survive. But for me right now, I don't have a guide to race and I don't have a tandem to race. I did in Ireland for a period of time, but now I've moved to a different country and I don't have that luxury. So, So we'll see, you know. Aaron, what is the one takeaway that you would like the audience to have by listening to this conversation? Regardless of what ability you have, you don't have a disability. In the world right now, we see so much negative news. We hear people say, I can't do this. I won't do this. There's always a but. But in fact, when we remove that but, incredible things happen. We all here on this planet are amazing. We're great. People ask me, Aaron, you've got amazing smell, the sense, you know, you can feel things that are past the invisible eye. But to be honest, we all have the same level of experiences. It's like, not experiences, but skills where we all are driving different cars. I drive a Ferrari, you drive a Lamborghini, someone else drives a Porsche, but yet they're all cars. What I mean by that is we all have different abilities, but yes, the, we designed this thing called society and we feel in society, hey, he can't see, so why, why should he participate in society? But actually in my world, I have the same ability as you or someone else, but may require adapting to, you know, someone saying, hey, I need to see this or I need to open up my phone and call someone across the world to show me beans or the washing machine. But yes, in my world, I'm, I see myself as having full vision, but that full vision is internal instead of external. And the point of that is that we all have unique skill sets. When I say unique skill sets, I call a superpower. Some people may be able to catch the language of people and change the coding of the brain. Some people may be able to see businesses and figure out what's wrong. Communication. There are many different superpowers we have, but yet the world says, no, you need to earn money. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do that. But yet when we go into the forest of ourselves, 
we have that unique superpower. Aaron, thank you so much for sharing your special gifts and your superpowers with us. And thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Thank you, Debbie. It's been a blast. If you'd like further information about Aaron, then please follow the links in the show notes.